Sanka, you dead? Yeah, man. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Hey everybody, how's this going? Welcome to White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast that deconstructs the white saver trope in film and recontextualizes people of color in film. I'm your host, Jordan Clark, along with my co-host. Cameron Mason. Hey. <laughs> There's no need for that. We, we've got we've got another movie for you guys today. And this one is it's a it's interesting because it's it's a it's a classic. Yes, and it hits hard on that nostalgia factor, uh, specifically mm-hmm. if you're around our age, grew up in the 90s. It's the beloved sports film, Cool Runnings. Oh, yes. Cool Runnings. And Feel the rhythm. <laughs> Feel the ride. This, is, this one was kind of hard uh, because I, I did feel that nostalgia factor watching it again. I don't think I'd seen this movie in at least 10, 15 years. I haven't seen it like give it gave it my attention yeah since i was 10 <laughs> so, so 23 years has easily passed yeah and i think what's really interesting about this movie is it's it's one that i think people wouldn't initially like look at and say oh yeah that's a white savior film because it's not as explicit as say like the blind side or some other movies where it's it's very much so just like oh yeah like this this is this is what's happening here. Well, it what's is, interesting here is the white, white savior is a different is a different type of white savior. I'm yeah. gonna get into this. He's a, he's a, he's a reluctant white savior. He's a reluctant white savior, and I think when you <laughs> when you watch the movie again, this is kind of so many of these movies is because they are billed as these kind of feel good family films a lot of the times. And so when you watch it as a kid, like you're not looking for the stuff at all. Like all of this is kind of just hidden from you. And so I, I loved cool runnings. Like, I don't think I watched it like, you know, a, a million times. Like I watched like the labyrinth a million times and like movies like that. But like, I watched, I think, I think, I, I think I've seen cool runnings just as many times as I've seen labyrinth. And I'm very, <laughs> and I am I am a fan of both fan of both. Okay. Like bigger fan of Labyrinth. Yeah. Like I've seen them. They got the same amount of space tucked away in my brain, I think. Yeah. But like Cool Runners, because Cool Runners is the movie that like substitute teacher is in. Let's throw on Cool Runnings. You're on a school field trip. Let's just throw on Cool Runnings. Like it's kind of this evergreen kind of film that, you know, somebody with a teacher would throw it on or it would be like a sleepover movie or something. You just be like, yeah, Cool Runnings. Like, if I was when I was a kid, I don't think I ever was like, oh, cool runnings. Like, I don't want to watch that movie. Like, anytime <laughs> yeah. it was on TV, I was like, oh, cool, cool. Like, yeah, I'll watch that. But for you, yeah, it was like, how strong is the nostalgia factor for this movie? Um, I had a, I had an affinity for, uh, so I like John Candy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie stars some people that I'm familiar with in my like, TV watching, movie watching, um, and I'm familiar with Dougie Doug from television. He was all over television at the time. Yeah. So this movie came out in 1993, and that's like 
the Dugasans, I guess. That was, about the, <laughs> that was like his, his time to shine. That right? was his time to shine. Uh, and I was familiar with Malik Yoba from New York Undercover because I was watching New York Undercover. <laughs> I mean, that show probably actually, I think that show came out afterwards, but I was familiar with Malik Yoba too. Yeah. Well, and, and I've also like, and I've also met two of those people since seeing the movie. Mm. So now, now actually, it's interesting because I met both of them and had a conversation with both. Mm-hmm. Not about cool runnings, obviously, but these conversations have definitely like given me insight to these people. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, why did you want to do this? Was Ooh. it the bag? Why was well, it the bag? Because like I get it. If I'm my age or even 25, probably over 25 or 30 when they did this movie, yeah, they saw the bag and they were like a Disney bag. Yeah, I want to cop that shit. Well, we'll we'll get into the bag because there is some interesting. Uh, trivia and like history about this movie let's yeah uh, let's do that, it that's that's yeah i think you'll be like mm, you'll be surprised to learn some of the some of the things going into this hey um, listeners i'm 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 here for the listeners i'm the listener avatar even though <laughs> I, I know some things i know some things about these movies but i'm the listener avatar I, yeah i am on the journey with you guys let's learn <laughs> let's learn about cool running yeah like when people think about cool runnings it is I think for a lot of people, like it's a sports movie that people like revere, you know, in terms of like the 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 not just like the feel good nature. No, it's like a so, it's like a it's like a like a field of dreams, if you will, or like a, yeah, um, or uh, I guess Bull Durham to an extent, mm-hmm. a, a league of their own, a league of their yeah. own would fit in this category where it's an affable sports movie, it's a comedy, yeah, we're having a good time, but we're also learning things that might or might not be true. Ooh, yeah, it's a who it's knows? a real kind of like underdog story, and I real think underdog story. Yeah, I think that's we, why a lot we of all people, like one of those. Yeah, and I think that's why people were attracted to it and gravitated toward it. It it is at the time when it came out, it was the highest grossing live action movie that Disney had ever done, which is crazy to think about. Crazy, because um, you know I don't know how many live action movies they had done up until that point, but like I didn't yeah. picture Cool Runnings being like that big of a smash hit but it was i mean again people were very (laughs) very attracted to just i guess whatever whatever this movie had going on at the time but let's (laughs) let's let's get into just like the general synopsis this is a movie i feel like you know people people know what happens we we all we all know the story (laughs) of cool runnings but let's do let's run it back because we know you know you might be listening to this you stoned you didn't see the movie in a year or something like that yeah i get it i get it yeah so so let's hit the hit them with the synopsis. Yeah. Well, and you know, let's talk let's talk a little bit about, you know, the people behind this movie because it is always worth noting. Uh the facts who, are always who good. made these movies. Yes, uh, yes. I think uh, and I, I think in this case, we're gonna see through these names a little yeah. what happened here. <laughs> uh so so John Turtletob, who you may know from Three Ninjas. That was kind of his big, his big movie. Don't, don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. Uh, that that was his big movie before this. Then he went on to make National Treasure. National yes, Treasure he, he, he directed the National Treasure movies. Most recently directed The Meg. Oh, and, that's right. He did make the, you know, The Meg isn't half bad. Meg like, is pretty good. It's kind of cool. And it's got some really funny, like, horror movie deaths yeah. in it. Yeah. Like some, some good, like, we twisted, we thought it was going this way, but Psych is going this way. Well, I mean, some I, good moments in that movie, one hundred percent. So, I mean, I guess shout out, shout out to the Meg. <laughs> shout out, shout out, John Turtletop and the Meg. 
um, it is produced by Don Steele, who also, you know, I mean, she produced a lot of movies, but most most famous, I'll kind of go down some of the the big ones, Sister Act, uh, Sister Act 2, Back in the Hat. Oh. But she was a big proponent of this movie. Like, she was one of the people who were pushing to get this done. And then Screenplay, written by Lynn Seifert, Tommy Swordlow, Michael Goldberg. These are all white people. Uh, so this, Those are not <laughs> black names. Those no. are not black names. Uh, so this is, this is a movie written and directed by just a bunch of white people. About and Jamaica. About Jamaica. It stars, and this is almost sacrilege here on the, uh, the Wikipedia page, because they have his full name, and everybody knows it's just Leon. It is <laughs> just Leon. <laughs> uh, Leon is a legend. Leon Le- is a whole legend. <laughs> Leon is first ballot Hall of Famer actor that only black people know <laughs> yeah you know. so and I'm, I'm sure as we do this podcast we're gonna we're gonna run through this group of actors that only black people know i'm talking yeah. about like i'm talking leon i'm talking uh michael ely mm-hmm. i'm talking and these are like good actors oh yeah who kind of end up in black film and make the most of their moments in black film oh yeah so that's also like that's also like delroy lindo or oh yeah or um who else who else do we have um oh omari hardwick's part probably part of the new school of that yeah where he shows up maybe in a white person's movie every now and then but he's he he for us <laughs> i want to say uh like jackie harry like jackie she's, harry you know she's one jennifer of the- lewis yeah Jennifer Lewis. There's a lot. And yeah, unfortunately, they do end up. There's a repertory company of uh, (laughs) black folk (laughs) that are for us in movies. Yeah. Well, because I think, you know, if if you said Leon to a white person, they would be like. They'd be like, who's Leonardo? Who is Leonardo? (laughs) My Italian friend Leonardo is nowhere near. No. You say it to any black person. You say Leon to any black person, they're going to tell you. They're going to quote you probably one thing specifically. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the big line from Temptations movie after the Temptations have broken up, David Ruffin's on his high horse. <laughs> Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. <laughs> Ain't nobody coming to... Tore a man down with one sentence. Leon is cold. And I, and I Leon's think... Leon's a cold boy. That's a Leon's cold, cold boy. And I've actually met Leon, too. I've met oh. Leon. This is crazy. I've worked a lot of jobs in New York City, so I've met a lot of random people. But he's very tall and he's very handsome. Like it's devastating. When you when you think about, you know, black don't crack, like Leon is the perfect example. Leon's up there too. He's literally like top black acting school. Yeah. Like handsome human. Yeah. Like Leon, I every every movie you see him in, whether you know it's above the rim, it's five heartbeats, it's cool runnings. Even I forget the name of this this terrible. I want to say it was a Tyler Perry movie that he was in, like, and this That's was possible. maybe like two thousand, you know, eleven, two thousand twelve. Looks the same, you know, just mm. the same yeah. go same goatee. Or he's this- the only nigga who was able to pull a soul patch off for his <laughs> entire life. He's had a soul patch since birth, and no one said anything. Yeah, other people try to do it. Not Leon. Got to be Leon. You got to have one name to pull off the soul patch, I think, is the right. Real. That's right. <laughs> or speaking of, maybe you need to have two names and you can be Dougie Doug, mm. uh, who is also in this movie. Raul D. Lewis and Malik Yobo. And of course, John Candy, round off the cast. Surprisingly, and this is one of those things where you're just like, 
they're such a huge deal now. But then when you look back and kind of see some of the things they did, you're like, huh? Hans Zimmer did the music to this movie. Yeah, no, that was my one. Like, I looked at the list and I was like, Hans Zimmer? Um, <laughs> and did but like people sleep. People yeah. sleep that Hans Zimmer used to be in uh, The Buggles. The okay. video killed the radio star. Oh, okay. That used, that used to be Hans Zimmer before he got into scoring films. Man, just looking at, I'm looking at pictures of Hans Zimmer now. This is completely off topic, but he, <laughs> he, he looks like what his name sounds like. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's real, that's real. Um, but yeah, Cool Runnings, basically the story of... So it, the story follows Leon, Leon's character. Darice. Darice, yeah, Darice. Darice yes. uh, is a track runner mm-hmm. who is qualifying for the summer games this is 1987 so he's qualifying for you know the the games the summer games and in the track meet in the qualifying meet he meets junior mm-hmm. and he meets malik yoba's character yule brenner let's get it we'll get into that later yeah um yeah he doesn't meet them as much as they like run into him uh- they, or <laughs> <laughs> My guy's got puns over here. My guy's got the best. Over here. <laughs> um, so yeah, they uh, one of the guys trips, and the, the three of them trip over themselves and disqualify themselves from the race, mm. w- and feel like their hopes to get into the Olympic Games are dashed until Darius goes to the Jamaican like representative from the Olympic Council to find, well, can we run the race over again? And he turns out that his father used to hang out with this dude who was the two-time gold medalist in the bobsled competition in the Winter Games. And he took to that idea like gangbusters. He said, yeah, I'm going to go find this white man and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save Jamaica. So they go to a bar, seedy down and out bar in Jamaica. And where, who do they find? Irving Blitzer, played by John Candy. And this who, was his, one of his last roles. I, I think it's his... I think it's his last role, honestly. There was a movie after this that he was filming that he had a heart attack. Oh, no, he, he had three after this. Yeah. Yeah, Canadian Bacon was the last one. But this was definitely his, like, the the best of the last movies that he this is the This is the best, yeah. This is the best. And his best performance among those movies because he does the comedy thing, but he also does, like, the, hey, you listen here, buddy. Yeah. He, he, does, he gets a good uh, talking to the manager scene in, in Cool Running. Yeah, sure does. He definitely, and he, and he milks it. He works it. <laughs> but they happen upon John Candy, Irving Blitzer. They ha- happen upon him in the seedy down and out hotel. And there's a delightful meet cute scene where he says, hey, I heard you won the gold twice. And he's like, oh, those days are gone, kid. Those <laughs> days are uh, far behind me, kid. Get in line. And he manages to convince him, hey, I, I, have, I have goals. And John Candy says, fuck it, because we got an hour and 20 more minutes in this movie. So yes, I say yes. (laughs) So along with the two other friends of his that trip up during the Olympic qualifiers and his good friend, Senka Coffee, played by Dougie Doug. We'll get to that name later too. (laughs) They form the new Jamaican bobsled team and make their way to compete in the what 1992 calgary summer game calgary winter games 
think it's i believe it's 88 um, 88 oh yeah yeah because yeah, it's 87 in the movie yeah so the 88 calgary games the winter games and it's just like there's not a lot of time between when they decide they're going to make a team and go to the Olympics. Like they're just like, bro, bro, that movie moves. This movie moves quick. Yeah. This movie wastes no time. It's like, I guess the Olympics are like, what, two months from now, we should probably like train. Or, uh... yeah. <laughs> they, no, they, they say it in the movie. They're like the mo- the Olympics are in three months. And I'm like, fam, like you're about to complete compete in an entirely different sport in an entirely different Olympic games. And you're like, it's three months away. We can handle yeah. it. Yeah, dude. If you asked me to compete against Simone Biles in three months, <laughs> I'd punch you. I'd slap you. I'd slap you. Yeah, we'll we'll get to some of the true history in a little bit. But similarly, though, like the the real Jamaican bobsled team didn't really have a lot of time to get it all together. So it is, you know, very surprising and a testament to just you know how hard they worked that they were actually able to qualify and get into the games because i mean it is the olympics you know like whether or not you you think that a team like jamaica or you know some of these smaller teams from you know because i think in the same olympic year there was another like caribbean team that also was like we're gonna have a bobsled team and they were they were worse than the jamaican team (laughs) uh so obviously they make a movie about them but yeah they head off to the olympics before that they they do have to do a little bit of fundraising to get to the olympics this is one of the places i will give this credit this movie credit in this way because this is one of the things that i just more and more as i watch 90s comedies realize is just rampant homophobia just just rampant oh uh, just wild like, wild homophobia and women are weak jokes yeah and it's, it's just specifically in this montage yeah well because it's like the homophobia in 90s comedies, specifically like 90s family or children's comedies, is just like very blatant and in your face. And, you know, as a kid, you watch some of the stuff and it's just like, it's funny. You don't know why it's funny, but people are laughing. So you laugh. Yeah. Uh, most of those jokes are like men are men and women are women. Jokes, yeah. You know, not not really necessarily like gay is bad. It's more like gay is not the man's role. Yeah, gay is weird or gay is gay is strange and like right. <laughs> to be laughed at. And they because this is when they were doing the kissing booth montage, yeah. I was like, this would have been the perfect opportunity for the you have like a man in a dress or something like that kind of joke. Right. Uh, right. Instead, they just went with the old lady joke. <laughs> but yeah, throughout the movie, I will give it credit for not playing into a lot of the blatant Jamaican stereotypes in terms of like them just like listening to reggae all the time or like getting high in the there's only one marijuana joke yeah there's only one marijuana joke in the whole movie and i was really surprised by that i forgot that well that was the one actually legit that was the one thing i was like gonna search for i was like all right so Mm. it's a jamaican movie where's where's that cheap disney marijuana joke (laughs) and it's the one where they get they arrive in calgary and yeah uh, he's like his, he's breathing, the air is like, you can see the air. And he says, Sanka, which is smoking, man. And he's like, I'm not smoking, I'm breathing. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, really? So That's like writer's room comedy? That's Borscht Belt comedy coming out of these guys? Before we go any further, I think we should, we should pause for just a second because I have a question. Yes. Cameron lives in Brooklyn. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yes, out no. you 
you know, a specific neighborhood, but you live in a place where there's a lot of Caribbean people. I do. How did these accents in this movie <laughs> play to your ear listening to it? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty mm-hmm. good, actually. Um, I don't think anybody's like, wow. I think if there's an offender, it's... I hate to say it's Dougie Doug, but he's Jamaican, so I can't even like say that. Because really. <laughs> uh, it's like that's bullshit. Is and he's he's from Brooklyn, lives in Brooklyn, <laughs> and he, I'm sure I'm pretty sure I think he has Jamaican parents. Everybody, so like, it would be wild to say like if he he had the worst Jamaican accent, but he really didn't have an accent. He every, had like his high screechy voice a little bit. Yeah, everybody in the movie. All the main actors, except obviously John Candy, have come from Caribbean backgrounds. You know, yeah, yeah. Malik Yoba is from a Caribbean background as well. Yeah, whether they're actually Jamaican or you know just from the Caribbean in general, you'll you'll be interested to know that one of the biggest contested parts about you know the making of the movie is that Disney was really concerned about the accents. They really wanted them to basically talk more like Sebastian from The Little Mermaid than anything else. Kind of the note that they kept giving. There's a oral history of Cool Runnings that you can read. (laughs) And in it, Leon says, the note that I got, and I'll never forget this, was that they wanted to liken me to a black Aladdin. And I said, Aladdin's not Jamaican. I think we did our absolute best to bridge the gap between what Disney ultimately wanted and get as much of a hint of a real Jamaican as possible. Dougie Doug says the notes didn't make sense. You know, they wanted him to kind of have more like a, a sing-songy accent. So he tried uh, to, to have it as much as possible and, and felt like he sounded more like a Jamaican Jerry Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was just, there was a lot of concern about, you know, like basically can white people understand, you know, with this movie and what, what people are talking about. Right, but they're also speaking very, they're all very talented actors. Yeah. Nope. Nobody here is like untalented. They're all doing very like clear Jamaican accents where you can hear like everywhere like you can. There's a several Jamaican. There's several jerk chicken spots around the corner from me <laughs> where I have just made a fool of myself just by trying to clarify what the woman is saying to me about my dinner order. <laughs> Chawan, Chawan. No, 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 no. We don't got that. We don't got that. <laughs> Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? No, 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 no. You don't want that. You don't want that. Wait, how are you saying? I don't want it. How are you going to tell me? No, no, shut up. I'm going to give you two of these and you're going to walk out. You're going to be good. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand none of that. Yeah, the, mo- the movie was clearer than that. <laughs> and I think when you when you talk to the, you know, real life members of the Jamaican Bobso team, like if there's one thing about the movie that they were kind of just like, eh, it was the accents. They were just kind of like, you know, these are fine. Yeah, <laughs> like they don't sound yeah, like me. You know, but exactly. There's no, there's no like um they're not trying to emulate the situation at all. It's yeah. not, it's honestly like I feel like the producers and the screenwriters got the synopsis and just wrote the synopsis but made it longer because there's no effort to tie in names or specific the only specific thing is that it was the 88 games yeah so most of this stuff happened in 87 or 88 leading up into those games Mm -hmm. the dates and the places like that's pretty much the 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 factoids (laughs) of the movie 
the fact here. For the most part. Uh, Everything else, including these men's names, is up for debate. Well, it's not even up for debate. It's it's pretty far off. Well, and then there's the Yule Brenner joke, which is just like a very bizarre, strange decision to make. because Such a bizarre joke, even, because they don't even... A, they don't explain it throughout the movie. Yeah. And B, they just... It happens, like he says, uh, what's, your, what's your name? Yule Brenner. And then Dougie Doug and John Candy have this, did he just say what I think he said? Yeah. And then everybody else in the theater watching the movie is like, that's the nigga from The King and I. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're yeah. not dumb. The King and I came out, like, The King and I came out 30 years before this movie, so it's not, like, mystery knowledge to anybody. But it's one of those things that, as a kid, it just goes right over your head because you're just like, I, yeah. I don't know who Yul Brenner is. As an it adult, feels like those, it feels like one of those jokes in The Simpsons where you're like, uh, like one of those, you know, Jewish comedy, comedy writer jokes yeah. in The Simpsons where you're like, I didn't get that and I probably won't ever, but it sounds yeah. funny because it's a weird word. Yeah, somebody's laughing. Somebody's uh, laughing somewhere. Yeah, I'll laugh, I guess, to also laugh at what I assume is a joke. <laughs> But so much of the movie is, wow, isn't it crazy that Jamaica had a Bob sub team? Wow, right. th- these Jamaicans must be cold because they're in Canada. <laughs> yes. uh, like, wow, they they don't know what ice is. I wonder how that's going to work out for them. <laughs> and and, and just it's like and it's like the writers of Jay Leno's Tonight Show wrote this movie <laughs> based on those facts. Yeah, well, there's there's the scene where Sanka, I guess, is yeah, he's in like an ice cream truck and like you know one of his dreadlocks break off because he's so cold. And then there's <laughs> there was allegedly supposed to be a joke that I think the actors nixed, which was they were supposed to like put a blunt in a snowman's mouth, and they're like, nah. <laughs> How would Disney even, Disney don't even want you smoking cigarettes in their movies? They're like, put a blunt. Not- Put a blunt in Frosty's mouth and give it a go. Like, <laughs> I mean, somebody somebody thought it was going to work. And, apparently, and that's the problem. Yeah. But when we get to Canada, this is where we find out that John Candy has a shameful, shameful past in history as a cheating ex-gold winning, gold medal winning uh, bobsledder who let down his American teammates upon a time and got their gold medals taken away. Which is uh, honestly what the movie values in story more than the actual story. Because I yeah. feel like a lot of the intrigue and a lot of the motion of the plot, the, a lot of the forward motion of the plot comes from that. Because otherwise yeah. it would just be Doris's, you know, like uh, dreams of getting into the Olympics. But instead yeah. you're, you're given like more than an hour's worth of like snide looks from john candy's old old bobsledding teammates yeah well you and, and that tension yeah you had an interesting point as we're getting ready to come on and that this this is is a white savior movie but john candy is a reluctant white savior uh so yeah. speak so on he don't that. really <laughs> he don't he don't really he doesn't really want to be the white savior in this movie he doesn't really want to be like the he doesn't want to he's he's out the game right when when Doris mm-hmm. meets Irving in the bar by the way this is the most version of this scene I've ever fucking seen in my life <laughs> you, you, 
like like the uh it, it could be in any movie you know it's usually in like a action movie or a western or something like that where it's i mean it's this is this is straight out of seven samurai where you know the first samurai gets to the town mm-hmm. the town is like hey guys you know we got these uh mongols and these rebels trying to like destroy the town and kill the peasants and blah 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 and then the first samurai goes out trying to find six other samurai to like fight with him and of course he'll stumble into a bar and there's one drunk guy who's like ah. and his story is you know oh man he used to be the best samurai in the world he could kill anybody with his eyes closed and then it turns out he's a washed up because he's, he's washed up and he because he's sad because something went wrong for him along the wall well guess what the screenwriters of cool runnings saw that movie and literally hit cut and fucking paste <laughs> Cause it's literally like Doris is like, oh my god, I need a, I need a bobsled coach. What am I gonna do? Oh, here's this bar with the one white guy in it. Why are you in the bar, white guy? Well, I used to be a bobsled champion, but that was back in those days. I don't talk about that anymore. No, talk about it a little bit more. Oh, okay, well you pull my arm. So I used to be in the bobsled game, but you know, I used to talk to your father about it, but now not so much anymore. Will they add this scene? And he definitely convinces him at the end of it. And by the way, what convinced him? Because they never, he never said anything. Yeah, he never said anything different like, oh, there's money in it or yeah, there's booze in it or anything. Yeah. He was just like, well, you know, you talked to my dad like twice 30 years ago. Ah, why you bring up that bullshit? All right, all right, all right, I guess. <laughs> I guess let me let me finish this red stripe and I'll I'll come out there I'll follow you out there y'all go ahead I'll be out there in a minute like it literally goes down like that it's so whack so he's a reluctant he's a reluctant white savior because he doesn't really want to help these black people achieve weird greatness instead instead he just like rests on his laurels that he talked to Doris's dad like thirty years ago once well, yeah at a chat and the thing about this movie which i think really does make it into a white savior film is that mm. john candy is very much like a parental figure you know in, in this group and that he it's 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 more he's a guiding than, force yeah he's more than just the coach like the team itself is kind of posited in a way that's like they wouldn't get to breakfast if john candy didn't like get them all together and right, because they're they're either fighting or they're or they're bickering or you know they don't yeah. know anything about bobsledding they don't know zero about bobsledding so yeah. without john candy's insight they would have never literally they would have never pulled this off otherwise yeah i mean he basically is like all of their dads right like there's a scene later where Leon is is talking to him about like why he cheated, and Leon's like literally like yes he asks he asks why why did you cheat yeah Leon's literally in his pajamas like a child, uh looking up oh, at John Candy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, shoot, it, they shoot it that way too they shoot it uh the angle is up at him and down at Leon so yeah visual language cannot be lost visual yeah. language cannot be lost in these movies you got it you open your third eye we trying to, we trying to open your third eye from this podcast we trying to help y'all cuz he's like basically like oh like son like it you know like when you when you dedicate your life to winning like you lose sight of you know all the other important things and like you know you 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 really should just be proud of like you know the journey and like all he's giving all this inspirational bullshit and yeah it's it's 
it's that and then obviously so the the big white savior scene here is the team gets disqualified because john candy has a lot of enemies and there's a lot of people who just don't want to there's a weird thing and we're going to get into this more in just a minute there's a weird thing where everybody hates jamaica and the jamaicans and doesn't want them to be at the olympics and oh we go yeah we're gonna talk about this because this is the note that i put in my (laughs) yeah they're all embarrassing and and everybody wants them to go away so there's like this uh collusion between you know based basically it seems like everybody to kind of get them out the paint but uh, but more specifically the west german team yes and so you know they go to the trial to uh qualify for the olympics and you know which they do yeah the guy there is like oh by the way the the time used to be a minute two, but now it's a minute flat. So like, good luck with that. You know, they only did that because they were <laughs> black and they thought they could X them out. With yeah, that. but then they they do it in like fifty nine seconds. Fifty nine forty six. So they just get they, in there, just under the wire. But then they're disqualified anyways for you know other bullshit reasons. And so John Candy storms into the boardroom, the Olympic Council or whatever they are, and is basically just like. Y'all are racist. I can't believe you, you know, are so afraid of these four black guys from Jamaica. Like, if you're going to do this, if you want to punish them, like, punish me. Like, that's the big, yes, this is the big white savior moment. This is his big, his big speech to uh, the Olympic, what they said, alliance. Yeah. Which is, I, I think they're an alliance, I, uh, but I think they're actually a committee. The actual Olympic thing is a committee. It's something like that. Yeah, either way, either way. The the heads of the Olympics. Uh, he goes, he marches into their office. Boom. Hey, I'm John Candy. And you, you're, you're <laughs> talking shit to my, my four Jamaican sons out there. And I don't like that. And uh, on top of it, hey, I know I did some shit in the past. I'm so sorry. But hey, take that out on me, not my black sons. Don't don't talk shit yeah. to my black sons outside, you know? <laughs> that and That works somehow. Somehow they're just like, you know what? You're right. And they yeah, decided yeah. To, to overturn the disqualification decision. And so the, the Jamaicans are back in the Olympics. They're they're back on for the bobsled race. They have some trouble in the beginning. You know, they they kind of can't really get into the bobsled, you know, all all at the same time in unison. There's a weird kind of subplot about Darice really wanting to be Swiss. I guess, like really wanting to yeah, do that, what they're doing. Mm, that um, was weird. That felt <laughs> like a like a miss. Like that felt like a swing and a miss. Yeah. Because so when Doris gets to the Olympics, he immediately sees the suave techniques and the smoothness of the Swiss bobsled and their team, and he's like, "Oh, that's what I want. I, if I'm gonna win, he's got a competitive yeah. spirit, right?" I'm going to win. I got to be like these guys, but those guys are translucent Swiss people. So, (laughs) and he, he, uh, he's so excited about their success that he even adopts their, like their, uh, their call, like their, uh, their count off call. It's like, ein, wein, ein, ein, zwei, drei, the German (laughs) one, two, three, you know? So he's, He's like, okay, so we got to be Swiss in order to be successful, which don't sound a lot, which sounds a whole lot like I got to be white to be successful. Yeah. Which is also 
this and this is kind of the bigger conversation that I wanted to have with you about mm. Jordan, which is yes, it's a white savior movie, mm-hmm. but really it's Disney's best attempt at. And best meaning like they didn't succeed all that well, but <laughs> this is probably their best shot at it, at deriding racism. Because in the movie, where they when they get to Calgary, when they get to the games, they see the Swiss, they see the West West Germans, by the way, because mm-hmm. we was, as Americans, we still wasn't out, out of like, you know, the West Germans are Nazis and Nazis and yeah. villains in movies. We we yep. we're kind of off that now. It's more like Afghanis and like Arab people are the yeah. In Russia. It used to be Germans. It used to be Germans and Russia. It used to be Russians during the Cold War. It yeah. Used to be Germans before that. We're kind of back Indiana on Russia Jones now. Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's Russians and like <laughs> a cyber terrorist. Yeah. But but in this movie, it is the West Germans and the West Germans. They when they always when they run into the Jamaican team, they're always like, "Hey Jamaica, yeah. Hey Jamaica, get it together, Jamaica. Yeah. Hey Jamaica, you'll never be a bobsled team, Jamaica. When really." Oh my God! I swear the direction. I swear John Turtletop like got in the West Germans guy ear and was like, "So every time you say Jamaica, you saying nigga. <laughs> I want you to say it like you saying nigga. Say it, say it like you. Yeah. But I don't want to say nigga. No, say it like you want to say that. He just wants him to say Jamaica with a hard er. You know, <laughs> like to- <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Just add that in there. Hey, yeah. Jamaica. Well, it's it's. It's very strange because, and this is where we'll, we'll kind of get into the reality surrounding this movie, which is that this movie is, is, is all bullshit. None of this happened. The only thing that's true about this movie. Jamaica had a bobsled team and yeah. they crashed during their uh, competition. That's yeah, it. That's basically that's it. it. Because to your Everything point. Everything else is like, whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Well, to your point, this is what I find so bizarre about this movie mm. is that when when you say none of that happened like literally none of that happened so the idea like of, the movie is like the movie is like sunny d it's like five percent juice right <laughs> yeah it's 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 the purple stuff of movies it's like it's i the you purple know stuff of racist, racist yeah, movies. what's what's really in here who knows who can say i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> maybe Senka coffee was his actual name who knows i don't know like in reality there was none of this, right? So, like, okay, were people at the Olympics racist? Maybe. I don't know. Sure. Like, I can't speak awesome. on everybody that was there. But, you know, to say that there was no awesome. racist people at the Olympic Games is probably false. But when you talk to, you know, the people on the Jamaican bobsled team and, uh, you know, some of the other people there that remember it, like, people loved Jamaica. Like, to the extent that Canada basically gave them a, a sled, like a backup sled you know, so they could qualify. Mm-hmm. So like, it wasn't, oh, Jamaica, you know, Jamaica with a hard ER. It was like, oh, Jamaica, like, hey, like, you know, people wanted to hang out with them. They were pretty much, I mean, they were such a unique thing that like people wanted to be around them. People wanted to talk to them. They were kind of like, you know, semi-celebrities uh, at the games. And right. part of that, I get the sense is because people didn't see them as like an actual threat. to Like, like a threat. Do anything. I'll talk about that when we talk about the ending. Yeah. So people are probably like, I have a huge gripe with the ending. (laughs) Yeah. People are probably like, oh, cool, Jamaica. So, like, you know, there wasn't this level of hostility. So, in the movie, I find it interesting that Disney was like, what if everybody was racist? 
You know, like what if? But, but not really racist. Because yeah. Honestly, they don't even acknowledge the fact that they're black men until that speech, the hit yeah. John Candy speech, where he says, <laughs> "Like you're saying that I got four black guys out there and they can't compete." And that scene comes at an hour ten. Yeah, the movie's basically hour. over. Movie's like an hour thirty minutes. This is a ninety minute movie. And yeah. At the 75 minute mark, you finally acknowledge that these were black men and that that's what you're afraid of. There's a lot of like, they don't like us because we're different. They don't like right. us because, uh, you know, they wait, don't. Wait, let me, let me, I'll, I'll quote it. I'll quote it because I wrote down notes. Oh. I have, oh. I have minor Let, notes this time. Let's hear it. Um, the line is Junior, the member who tripped everybody and got everybody there. Yeah. He's, ha- he's having a, you know, co- crisis of conscience. He's like wondering, why is everybody so mad at us? They seem like they don't like us. And Yule mm. ugh, re- re- retorts, he says, well, we're different. People are always afraid of what's different. Mm-hmm. And sure, that's the mm, most Disney answer <laughs> to racism ever. Like the, oh, oh, oh we're, we're different. Oh, oh, gosh, guys. Oh, they're black. Oh, oh boy. they're black and they're scary. Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm I should probably cover my uh <laughs> my camera now. I know that the mouse is probably looking in. The mouse is always watching, but he ain't paid <laughs> me yet. So we good. We good fam. I, I mean until until I book like a marginal role in a Marvel movie. Yeah. And we good, fam. We we don't have to scrub this. We good. Yeah, guy who gets Doctor Strange coffee, and then it's like Disney is the best. <laughs> The best company. Yo, we're going we're going to all this with Disney is so great. You should go back. This whole podcast will be scrubbed with you should go watch Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings, greatest sports movie of all time. Available now on Disney Plus. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. But what what I'm saying is the racism in this movie is so coded and mm-hmm. clouded, specifically because it's a Disney movie and because yeah. they don't want to say they don't want to say nigger, but they're saying Jamaica like they're saying that word. <laughs> they don't acknowledge like this is a movie about black people out of their element. So it's a fish <laughs> out of water story inherently. Yeah. So along with being a white savior movie, it is a a fish out of water story. You also have to acknowledge the fact that there are black people and and that uh, relations between black and white people are difficult and caustic like and this movie kind of refuses to do that until it feeds the plot which is that moment yeah. where they get disqualified because it feeds the plot but otherwise right. it's literally like whenever there's a black person around there's a black person in a white space and they feel strange and yeah. that's that's really what the movie hinges on for at least um otherism conversation for sure. And like you say, the the hostility, right? Like the racism of this movie is... The hostility is, is felt, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like the German team is like, they're the bullies, you know, they're the ones that, but, you know... You oh, they're the, the villains. Oh, they're the villains. They're Nazis. Yeah. You, <laughs> we, can do, we can say that. They're Nazis. But you get the sense that, like, none of the other teams are, like, stepping in to, like, do anything about it. Like, they're also all just kind of like, we don't want you here, but we're just not going to, like, be loud about it like they are. But Yeah, um, Lithuania is sitting in the cut. Like, I I mean, I wouldn't call him Jamaica. Yeah, but, you know. You know. 
I don't want them, <laughs> you know, you know, in the room next to me. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, so it, that that is a very interesting thing. It's like this fabrication of racism. Like we're gonna make up. It's racism. almost like a different language. It's almost yeah. like a different language for racism. Yeah, like, like because it's a Disney movie, so I mean, you can't smoke. You can't like right. have blatant sex or anything like that. You know, you know what I mean. You know, you know what a Disney movie is. You can yeah, it. I was surprised they said asshole. They said asshole in this movie. Yeah, and it's still on the Disney Plus version, which is like you know. Yeah, but that's that's what this movie is. That's the language this movie is speaking in. It is a yes. It is a movie about racism spoken to you through the the, the voice of the mouse. Oh. Well, and well, well, let's let's get to the ending because I I have a feeling that we're on the same page in terms of like what what the, the ending. ending is saying right so they yeah they get to go you know compete they uh compete. They, they finally compete at the end of the movie it's the last sequence of the movie is their competition yeah. run they've done you know like a like a run before and it was fine but you know they weren't really in it but like they still have a chance to to medal you know like they're still like within range right. and so this is like the big run that's big really run. gonna like if they if they get this you know like there's a real chance they might be on the podium and so before this, in the hotel room, Sanka is like, we got to we got to be Jamaican. We got to bobsled Jamaican and like do it the Jamaican way, which, you know, my my final just big critique of the movie is like, it's real strange that there's a lot of like talk of like be Jamaican, do Jamaican. But I don't yeah, know yeah. what is Jamaican like besides. And the, and the movie does no work to try to give you actually what's. I mean, I don't want to even side. I don't want to sidetrack because we're going in a certain direction. Yeah. But the movie doesn't do any work to give you a sense of Jamaica, the yeah. island, or the culture or the people, other than it's an island. It's beautiful all the time, and there's yeah. black Jamaican people everywhere, and that's it. Well, it's it's playing on the broad stereotypes of like, well, you know, Jamaica, oh, like you know, you know like Jamaica. They, yeah. It's a poor country, but everybody's happy, you know? Yeah. Some people smoke weed, some people grow vegetables. You know, everybody's having a good time down in Jamaica. Some of them have dreadlocks, they wear the funny hats, you know, like... Yeah, the, the, they're women, you know, uh, carry things on their head, which is more African than it is Jamaican, <laughs> but we're going to, like, we're not going to get into that. They got the accents, like, I mean, that's kind of like what... It is, it is so Fisher-Price Jamaican. <laughs> it, is, it is so, like... Disney execs didn't even go to go down to Jamaica before for mm -hmm. pre-production. They were like, okay, Jamaica, yeah, we can go shoot on the island, but um, I mean, just find a bunch of black people, right? Find a bunch of black people down there, right? Yeah, they can all do the accent. There's like no production design. There's no forethought in it. It's literally yeah. just a sunny island with brown people on it. Yeah. Well, the, the boast they get into Jamaican culture is the pushcart race that uh, Sanka is involved in. In the Which beginning, brings them to the bobsled because it's basically like an on yeah. ice push cart, right? But besides that, I mean, I like Sanka is like grilling bananas in their hotel room. I think at one yeah. point it's egregious. It's egregious. Like they, uh, <laughs> they they do stuff to try to give you a sense that like there is a culture. Yeah. But would they ever explain it? Like this movie could be ten minutes longer with that stuff. And yeah. I would feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. But instead, they decide not to do any of the work and just like hit you with them stereotype one, two punches and 
we're going to get in and we're going to get out. Well, yeah. So I guess what it amounts to when Sanka's telling them to bobsled Jamaican is like, <laughs> we should be like smiley and happy and sing our bobsled song and then do the feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme uh, yeah. before we go down. So they start going down uh, on their, their final run and there is a loose screw on their bobsled. That starts to come off and it rattles free as they're going around a turn. Interestingly enough, they do use the actual footage from the uh, the real crash in the movie. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Because I guess Turtle Todd was like, that it's it's too dangerous to try to actually film that. So like let's yeah. just use the real footage and you know it, and it looks harrowing. Honestly, honestly, it looks harrowing now. I yeah. remember watching the movie as a kid and being like, Oh, their heads are like banging up against the ice and they are mm-hmm. going at like e- easily like 30 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah. I mean, like that's dangerous. They can break yeah. their necks. And so, you know, they do the Darish, you dead man kind of thing one more time. The callback, ta- the Sanka, you dead man. Yeah, yeah but this man. time he's, he's not dead. He is determined to finish this race. And so he gets out, the rest of the team gets out. John Candy is rushing down to see his black Jamaican sons uh, to see if they're okay. <laughs> And he, they lift the bobsled up and they begin to walk. And they carry it, they carry it on their shoulders. Yeah. And who is the first to clap as they start <laughs> walking down the ice as none other than the captain of the German team. The West German captain. Yeah. Finally <laughs> earns their respect and begins so that, to clap. That's my first problem. That's my first problem <laughs> is that... As soon as they, when they start carrying the bobsled, it's about the West Germans learn that Black people are competitors. The Swiss team learn that Black people are competitors. And we're all looking for all of their reactions. We don't even go, we go to Jamaica last. Yeah. Like, out of the shots we choose. We see Junior's dad. Junior's dad is there and he rips open the shirt. Junior's dad is there and he opens the shirt and that's like a, that's actually a sweet moment. I felt that. But everything else is like, it's it's about John Candy who is like they were they were able to do it. Yeah. The West German team, the Swiss team, the guy on the old American team who was John mm-hmm. Candy's old teammate who was like, yeah. yeah, they're not so bad after all. And I'm like, this is disgusting because like we should be worried about how proud their people are of their team. Yeah. You know, of them of them doing the thing that Doris is trying to do by carrying this over the finish line, which is say that they are true competitors and they're actually like they're they're legitimate in this space yeah well it's because because the movie ends with uh them getting validation it's about validation it's about validation yeah in a strange way where it's like i guess i respect you because you didn't die i respect you because you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but honestly but honestly watching the movie as a 30 year old and maybe it's a little bit of a skeptical like tuskegee experiment in me to yeah uh the the government ain't really out here for me kind of in me you know yeah what i feel when i see all of them white people clapping for the team that obviously just lost and disqualified themselves yeah is they jamaica's never going to be in the books for this now yeah <laughs> so fuck it you know fuck it they tried it's time for the swiss team to win now it's time for the west germans to do their thing like yeah and as far as what i feel when this movie ends is like them carrying over shows like we did it it's like you didn't you you got there and you, you worked really hard but yeah. you didn't succeed 
and you you kind of you just gave the space for these white people to like still do their thing all over your right like like <laughs> after you after you carried your bobsled to back to your hotel or whatever fuck the west germans went up and they won a medal and they never thought about the jamaicans again like you know what i mean well that's the thing like as you said this is a that's very the disney- problem for me that's that's where angry black man comes out yeah well and, and this very disneyfied version of like overcoming racial obstacle i mean that's it's sure, it's it's so very murky and unclear that i you know we're just supposed they don't feel like obstacles they feel yeah. like they don't feel like obstacles well we're just they supposed to accept like inconveniences yeah we're supposed to accept a, a broad racism uh it's just like that of course you know germans jamaicans they hate them it's sure. just kind of like the ex- the explanation that we get is like you know the same way that you know broad jamaican stereotypes it's like come on look at them you know blonde hair blue eyes like put it two and two together and so (laughs) this might as well be the karate kid in that sense you know but so they they don't give up and that's kind of like oh they don't give up but they don't win yeah and it's and it's not like it's it's just such a weird like that is what makes them that's what's supposed to make you feel great at the end of the day. It's the feel good of the feel good movie is that they, yeah. they were, they finished, they, they the, really accomplished their dream or the thing that would have made them different. But having the West Germans be the first ones to clap, you know, I mean, that's kind of, that was a decision that they made. And I think part of that decision is it's an editing choice. Yeah, well, because it is, it is kind of like the, uh, like we talked about with Green Book, it's just kind of like, oh, I see you now. Like this, this random yes, event yes, has yes. now suddenly turned me into a different person, where it's like, but no work was done. Like, I don't understand why now all no, those- No work was done. The last time we see, saw you guys in the movie was a fight. We fought you, the, the Jamaicans yes. fought you in a, in a honky-tonk bar. In yeah, Calgary. you and know, then, so and then and then you saw four Jamaican guys almost break their necks, literally almost break their necks. Yeah, to qualify to to place at the Olympics, and then you're like, those black people gave it a good run. They gave it a good try. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? Guess what? They're not gonna compete. So it doesn't fucking matter, guys. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I I think get, get out of here, Jamaica. Get out of here. Get out of here. It was cute. Exactly. That was kind of like their quick wrap up, like, okay, racism's over, uh, you know, because now obviously these people are they're better people now because they've uh seen the error of their ways or something. And and now like everybody loves Jamaica. And and John Candy got them there. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna transition into our research, but before I do that, I do wanna just note to kind of wrap up the the film analysis part like what's very interesting too is when you look at the characters like all of the jamaican bobsled team and then you look at john candy darice doesn't really have a character arc except like my dad won a medal i too also like to win a medal i i want to compete i am a competitor but we don't know anything about that relationship or his dad it, i assume his yeah. dad is dead because that's kind of what because he's not around they're alluding for us to feel but it's like but like what was your relationship with your dad like like was your dad hard on you was your dad like hey 
It's okay if is you your dad don't even the reason the that you compete. Is your dad even the reason that you compete? Yeah. So his whole kind of he has a one note character kind of like arc throughout the movie, which is just like I want to win a medal, like my dad, because my dad won a medal. I want to be my dad, which mm-hmm. is like. I guess there's something there, but it's so thin and it's never really explored or explained. Bro, uh, that's like 60% of all movies is my dad did something, therefore I should follow. Yeah. Yul Brenner has a very bizarre character arc of... This I guess guy he, gets the biggest shaft. This guy gets yeah. the biggest shaft. Well, I guess he... Because hates- they, give him a, they, they give him a goofy name and yeah. no background, but they make him the shady outsider that doesn't Ever want to be touched? He he came from some who knows where he came from on the island, but he wants to get off the island, and that's all that matters. Yeah, it seems like he hates Jamaica and he hates the people on yeah. Jamaica, and he wants he to get Jamaica. far away from them as possible. Yeah. And the Olympics are seemingly, in his mind, his out. Before everybody laughs at him, he wants to live in Buckingham Palace, and yeah. then nothing like not like. We never yeah, return to that. Like we never, we, he never has a new dream, or he's never like. No, because they, they end that scene with uh, uh, I think it's Junior who says it. Yeah, Junior's like, "Get your palace. Go, 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 find your palace. Go get your palace." And it's like, I guess that's nice, but like, what does that even mean? Like, why does he not ju- like Jamaica? Why does he want to get off the island? Why does he not want to be around these people? Where does he want to go? Why does he want to go to Buckingham Palace of all places? Like, it's such a bizarre. <laughs> I bet. I bet if you ask Malik Yoba why, he'd be like, I don't know. But Disney pulled up a wrote a very large check to me. Yeah, Sanka literally no character arc. He is best friend. There. He's the best friend. Yeah, he's there because Doris is there, and that's it. Like he's he... the best friend who knows how to do a push cart. Yeah. So it's never like oh I. Yeah, I secretly want to win a gold medal too, or like, you know, I I want to even even as simple as like, you know, if I can do this, then like I'll I will have proved that I am the best push cart because like I can even do this shit with a bobsled. You know what I mean? It's See, like, and that's where they could have even turned that into something more interesting, but they don't yeah. even give that character that. Junior has actually the best arc of all the characters because he is like controlled by his dad his whole life has been planned out for him he wants to for whatever reason be an olympian be an olympic sprinter that seems Mm -hmm. to be his dream he is obviously not good enough at that to do that but still finds a way to get onto this team becomes an olympian you know his dad comes to go get him and tell him that it's over and that he should give this up because he's got a, a whole other life that he needs to be living and he, tells he stands up to his father yeah he stands up to his father he earns his father's respect he he gets on the bobsled you know at the end like you said his father like you know his opens father the, rips the, open the, the shirt he's got, it, got the jamaican bobsled team shirt you know he yeah. cares about his son and so that's like the really the only full arc that any of the bobsled team gets because everybody else just kind of wants to and then john candy gets like a full realized arc of like redemption john candy it's really john candy's movie yeah i mean leon darice would be like the lead yeah he's he's probably first build he's first build but uh it's john candy's movie once you meet him would you be surprised to know that john candy's character is just a whole ass lie 
not not a real, real person at all not real in any sense in fact nobody's real in this movie uh these characters the like if you notice in the beginning it's not based on a true story it is inspired by a true story which gave them a very poetic license to do a lot of different things um but they didn't it, even do anything that's the thing they didn't even not really. Yeah. So when you when you look at this, again, this oral history that they do of Cool Runnings, uh, the director, Turtle Tub, uh, basically says we would never get away today with the changes that we made to the true story. Nowadays, with the Internet being what it is and everybody having an opinion about your movie like they do now, we would never get away with it, which is a very weird thing to say, because it's like, yeah, like they wouldn't just let us make shit up now. <laughs> They 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 had the basic premise and they were just like, yeah, none of this stuff is interesting. We're just going to like get rid of all of it. Make up again, ridiculous names like Sanka Coffee and Sanka Coffee and just really like Disney, But now I'm a, I'm a grown nigga now. I'm a grown nigga and I've had a cup of Sanka and you can't do that to me. All right. That's rude. That's like if I called a. That's like if I called any white man Calvin Klein. Yeah, well. That's like, like, like if I named a white man in my movie Calvin Klein. Cameron, let me remind you. <laughs> Wait, that's a, that's white a, people are crazy. Y'all hear me? <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 just reckless. Sanka, Sanka coffee, fam. Yeah. Well, let me, let me give people a little bit of the true history about the Jamaican bobsled team back in 88. The actual names of the people on the team, Deadly Stokes, Devin Harris, Michael White, Caswell Allen, and eventually uh, Chris Stokes, uh, not related to Chris Stokes. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. But what had happened was there were two American businessmen who were living in Jamaica at the time, George B. Fitch. Also, those are fine jamaican names those are actual jamaican names those are real people <laughs> who are not given ridiculous names ridiculous for comedy called him uncle ben <laughs> fucking god damn it i hate all this shit yeah so there are two american businessmen living in jamaica george b fitch and william maloney and you know they're olympic fans and they had just been noticing all of the push cart stuff going on but also the fact that Jamaica was just like great at sprinting, great at all these summer sports, but had never entered into any of the winter sports. And so they were like, what if they had a bobsled team? Like, you know, Jamaica has all these sprinters, all these great athletes. Like, I bet they could do the bobsled. Like, let's see if we can put this team together. So they go to, you know, the Jamaican Olympic Council and they're like, that seems crazy, but also why not? Like, that's like another, you know. Yeah, that's another Olympic sport that we can compete in. So, like, if you can pull it off, you can figure out how to do it. Like, we'd be happy to support. And so, at first, they're like, great. Like, who wants to sign up for the Jamaican bobsled team? And all the sprinters are like, nah, that shit's hella dangerous. Like, we don't want to get hurt because we're trying to get into the Summer Olympics. So, they're like, okay, fine. Like, who else wants to try out, you know, for the Jamaican bobsled team? And then, you know, they're getting all these people who are like, not olympic quality people not athletes uh, so finally george b fitch has connections to uh what is like the jamaican defense force which is like their military and they're like oh yeah we've got we got people who could probably do that and so you know they start getting together you know some people from the military 
in particular Devin Harris, who is a was a helicopter pilot. And so like basically like it's not a one-to-one, you know, like driving a helicopter, driving a bobsled, but it is like you need those fast reflexes and like that timing and all that stuff to be able to kind of pull this off. Which I grasp from the movie. I grasp that from yeah. the movie. So that that's how the actual team came together is just a bunch of guys from the military. They're like, y'all are a bobsled team now. And they're like, I guess <laughs> this is what so we're it's doing. A little, it's, it's a little less interesting. Well, so here's where things get a bit more interesting is that they do go to like a couple of different places. Like they're training in like Placid. They're training in Austria because obviously there's no ice or snow for them to train on in, in Jamaica. There is a real coach. There's a couple of different coaches, you know, like Irv Blitzer, John Candy's character is basically a composite of like several coaches they got from like America and like some other European countries to come over and and coach them. But they go and qualify in this international tournament, which is kind of like what you have to do to actually get into the Olympics. And it's still unclear. Like I've tried to figure out the exact reasoning for what got them disqualified from the Olympics, like the the IOC disqualified them, but like there was a huge uproar and uh, eventually of all people, Prince Albert of Monaco is like, you can't disqualify this team. Like, I'm not going to let you do that. And so like he capes up for them, basically forces them to overturn that decision and gets them back into the Olympics. They go to the Olympics. They're only a two man team. They have a couple of, you know, alternates around, but like basically they're just doing the two-man bobsled. They do well enough to get, you know, like not like middle of the pack, but like they're not last, right? Like they they did to their expectations pretty good, but like that's over with like eight days left of the Olympics to go. So they're just like, well, we're not just going to hang out at Olympic Village for eight days. Like we want to do the four-man. They don't have any money. <laughs> to get a sled because they only have the two-man sled fitch is like i you know i spent all my money like getting you to the olympics so like i don't know what to do like i can't pay for more equipment or anything like that but his wife comes up with these shirts they sell these shirts and like they sell so many shirts that between that and then the canadian team basically saying like yeah we'll we'll give you this extra sled that we have they're able to come up and get a four-man bobsled together but then once they get the sled one of the members of the team gets hurt uh, so then they only have three people but Dudley Stokes's brother Chris Stokes is up visiting from he was going to school in Idaho to be like a track sprinter weird place to go to do that but he's doing that and he comes up to Canada to watch the Olympics Dudley's like you want to be in the Olympics yeah. <laughs> uh so his brother who's just there watching like gets pulled onto the team they're able to kind of pull some strings to get him to be an official member of the team and then wow. in, th- in three days they teach him everything they know about doing a bobsled <laughs> and, and he's so, the competing and he ends up being the competing team member yeah he's on the olympic team he's on that team that that crashes they softened the edges off of this story, so <laughs> they like they really nail filed the sh- nail filed the shit down. Yeah, they buffed the shit out of the story, and so you know they they get into it. They're not doing great in the four man uh, because I mean they literally have never done it before, and so like they're near the bottom. They do the 
second to last run and that's the run in which they crash and devin harris has come out and like basically said yeah that was on me like i crashed the pops <laughs> like, oh he, like, a, he was just like bro sorry yeah i it's fucked that beef. up yeah like he, there was no like the thing didn't come off like there was no uh mechanical failure he was like that's a better i like that better because then i don't i'm not the one that messed up but like he messed up <laughs> so I actually uh, uh, maybe maybe uh, we'll talk about this when we talk about the uh, re reimagining yeah. because I, I like this story more as a story about somebody who wanted to compete mm -hmm. but could not like crack it under the pressure. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Because that's that's what happens to them when they qualify when they try to qualify in Jamaica. Yeah homeboy trips and knocks them out of the race yeah but then when it comes to the olympics it's still a matter of like the the highest pressure moment you know the the time where you know the winners are going to win the real winners are going to come out to shine they still beef it but in this you know now that they've been the outliers they're the jamaicans who who are you know in the winter olympics it's a big deal and their respect is earned. Yeah. But I feel like the story is more interesting if it's a story about like pursuing through failure. Yeah. Well, so it's it's it is interesting to kind of hear how they felt about what happens, you know, after the crash because like they crash <laughs> when people asked about them about it after the fact they were just kind of like yeah we crashed a lot so like this wasn't like this wasn't that bad yeah this well this wasn't like some new like oh my god like you know what do we do after we you know crashed we did it <laughs> yeah no like we've been through this before they're like there was a number of crashes but in the movie it's like yeah this inspirational moment uh everybody's clapping Pretty uh epic crash. you know it's it's a feel good you know kind of thing because they lift the sled up and they walk it across the finish line. Walk across the finish line. In real life, they were like, nah, a bobsled is really heavy. Why would you do that? Like, why would you it's a to... steel? <laughs> it's a steel bullet the size of seven people. Like... Yeah. So they really just pushed it. And it wasn't like we pushed it because we wanted to finish the race. It's like, that's how you get off the course. You get up <laughs> off the course. The Olympic people aren't going to do that for you. Yeah, you gotta you gotta actually walk that thing you off the course. Get the fuck out of here. If you watch the actual video though, there is a moment where somebody's running up to help them and they just like wipe out and fall on their ass, and it's pretty funny. And I was kind of like, I wish that was in the movie. But <laughs> way more triumph. Disney was like they have a triumphant clause in their contract. Yeah. It has to be triumphant no matter what. So but when they crashed, it was less it was kind of like what you were talking about just now. Like they didn't feel like, a, oh, you know, gosh darn it. Like we tried really hard and like, I guess things didn't work out. It was just like, fuck, like we failed. Like we, we failed. We, 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 we didn't do it. We got all the way here and we fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were, they were saying that they were just thinking about like all the people back in Jamaica who were watching this and like, you know, here we are like crashing on, you know, this big on national television. Platform. Yeah, and like or international television. Yeah, because at that point, usually like only a couple thousand people would show up to like watch the bobsled. But Jamaica was such a big deal at this Olympics that like forty thousand people had shown up to like 
watch them try to try to meddle. And so it was like, imagine getting this far and then like crashing in front of 40,000 people. So that like only came here to see you. Yeah. And so they were like, you know, the applause made it feel a little better, but not great still. Cause I mean, one, you just like crashed pretty hard. So you're probably feeling like shit, but then also like, yeah, I mean, I don't think they took it as like patronizing applause, but, it, it, but it is still kind of like, you know, thanks for trying applause. Like here's your participation right, right. trophy applause, you know? So it was a while, while it kind of maybe felt triumphant watching it on TV, you know, they weren't like defeated, but they were kind of like, th- that wasn't a great moment for them <laughs> crashing no. at the Olympics. Like they were still pretty, feel good. Yeah. But after that, you know, they, they've gone on to go to the Olympics several more times. Like the principal members of the team have competed in three Olympics total. And this is where things get kind of interesting in terms of the impact of this movie, because on the one hand, it's all bullshit, right? On the, on the, on the, on the other hand, though, like this movie helped in 2014 when they were trying to get the Jamaican bobsled team to the Winter Olympics like they had to do some crowdfunding and because of people's nostalgia for this film, they were like, Oh, the Jamaican bobsled team, like not like literally these people are going back to the Olympics, but like, Oh yeah. Like I remember cool runnings. Like I want to help support that team. So they raised like a bunch of money to help send them to the Olympics based on this movie. Strangely enough in Jamaica, there are bobsled cafes that are kind of like, memorializing the bobsled team and like play cool runnings on repeat similar to like a bubba like a bubba gump shrimp kind of situation they just play the team like they don't really have a problem with the movie like it's hollywood it's hollywood it's it's fairly inoffensive as far as like you know the content yeah and I think that was their thing. They were like, you know, they didn't they didn't have us portrayed as like pot smoking, you know, typical Jamaican kind of stereotypes. Like there were broad stereotypes. And that's another thing that I want to mention, too. Like uh, one of the reasons that, at least to me personally, this movie doesn't feel as offensive as other films that we've talked about and we'll talk about is that when you look at it in the context of other 90s films in the context of a Jim Carrey in the context of like a Polly Shore in the context of like an Adam Sandler, there was a lot of like prat falling, mugging, kind of Hell like yeah. just like, so like the comedy itself is very much so in line with what was happening in the 90s. It is a little weird because when it comes to black people, we're kind of tiptoeing into minstrelsy and like that kind of like makes you go, hmm. Okay, but it wasn't like they were doing anything that like a lot of other contemporary white comedians weren't doing at the time. Yeah, I, I feel like like the most egregious offense is honestly like the him pulling the dreadlock off. Yeah, My, the frozen dreadlock and the ice cream truck. Like that's like the most like shucking and jiving moment in this whole. Yeah, movie. and it's and it's really not even that bad. It's like a Disney movie, so you you kind of like give a little. There's a little give to it because it's yeah. for kids. It's for like me when I was seven. Right. There's a lot of like ADR jokes in here where they're just like, whoa, and like, you know, oh, hell trying yeah. to, you hell know. Yeah. Oh, there's that whole sequence where they're like on the ice for the first time. Like, all yeah. that stuff is silly for silly sake. Yeah. I mean, most of the jokes is like, again, oh, like, Jamaicans in the cold. Like, that's crazy. Uh, right. 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 <laughs> but 
yeah i mean there's there's not really jokes at their expense because they're jamaican and, or black yeah, and or, or at the expense of the people of jamaica yeah which i really do appreciate if you go to the rotten tomatoes page it's got a 76 percent rating which means that it's fresh and if you go to imdb it's got a solid seven seven out of ten that's a pretty hard number to get on imdb seven seven yeah well, I think because there's so much nostalgia, right? So when you look at like the critical response to this movie, it was fine. Like people were like, this is a decent family film. As we talked about, like the budget for this movie was only $17 million. But the bad. actual like poll for this movie was globally $154.9 million. So like this movie made Disney a lot of money. But Let's talk about some things that I'm sure this is probably going to become like a reoccurring segment. It's just research that's going to make Cameron go, what? Here we go. <laughs> test, let's test it out then. So a couple things. First of all, unfortunately, this is another part of this movie that makes me feel a little bit squeamish is that, you know, like the original bobsled team, like didn't really make any money off this movie. Like they didn't really have any because they didn't use their real names or anything like that. Like there's not really any. I figured that. I figured that. Yeah. Rights are residuals. So like they're still kind of getting like a little like trickling money coming in, but it's not like really anything from this movie. I want you, Cameron, to guess who were the original four choices by Disney to play the Jamaican bobsled team. Oh damn! I felt like these are the these are the best choices you could go with, honestly, at the time. Mm. Not in Disney's mind. Really? Okay. I like this. I like this game. Honestly, because I feel like Dougie Doug is like the best choice for like the Senka character or like whatever you're going for there for like yeah. funny guy with dreads. Uh. Mm. <laughs> I guess they were going high, so they were like 93. They're looking at like, I don't know, like Will Smith maybe or something like that. Mm, not quite. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be like as um as clueless as they would fucking be. Can I get a hint? So one of them was probably like one of the most famous comedians in the world at the time. In ninety two? Yep. Well, like Martin Lawrence. Mm. Little, I guess I would say probably a little bit higher than Martin Lawrence. So, what if I told you that Disney <laughs> envisioned, and I'll read the roles that they they wanted them to play. Originally, they wanted Denzel Washington. All right, bye. What the fuck? Get out of here. As Darius. Get you are you are fucking wait 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 oh because oh because he was in um Mississippi Masala. Yeah. In like 88. So like, mm-hmm. I guess that's, yeah, I guess I see. Okay. Okay. They wanted Eddie Murphy as Sanka. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking bullshit. Eddie Murphy is literally like, he does raw and he's the biggest comedian on the planet. He did trading places. The fuck are you going to do cool runnings for? They wanted Wesley Snipes as Yule. This is all well, uh, because three years later he does two Wong Fu. So you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't, put Wesley Snipes out of this because that's like a thing that's like a thing that could have happened I feel like that could have happened they wanted Marlon Wayans as Junior that's a different movie <laughs> that's a different movie 
Well, speaking of a different movie, so here's here's the thing about this movie is that originally they wanted to make a different movie. I want to get this pronunciation right because I I don't really know how to pronounce it, but they wanted it was going to be called Blue Mega, uh, M A A G A, which is a Jamaican saying, and they wanted it to be more of a dramatic, like you know they rise out of the slums of Jamaica to be this bobsled team like that was kind of the deal like it was going to be a, a grittier film leon was in talks for that originally mm. um but then that kind of fell apart but then they you know brought him back in to do so it like it was like dead presidents but then yeah <laughs> right you were talking about the bank not quite part of the reason why none of those original people that i mentioned wanted to do this movie they were all Dis- making too much money disney did not want to pay them what it would have cost to get them to come on fucking yeah because they were probably asking for you know what was their actual rate and if you're asking uh, for denzel washington he's already been nominated for an oscar you know he already won an oscar right yeah for glory mm-hmm. so no <laughs> yeah Pay him his rate. Like, I feel like the movie that you got, like the cool runnings that we got, wouldn't have had like the top line of starring Academy Award winner Denzel Washington. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, And also, like, think about it. You get Denzel and Wesley Snipes in Mo Better Blues this year, I think. It's either he's like Denzel and Wesley Snipes are making mobile blues while this is happening or like directly after so it's like you're gonna get what you want you're gonna get that thing later just in a way better movie like why would you want them in this goofy ass movie versus like them and i don't know this is just me positing like hollywood you know <laughs> parallel, sliding doors parallel universes but like why would you yeah i feel like cool running starring academy award winning actor denzel washington is not the move that even Denzel would want to make, even yeah. if they paid him proper. You know what I mean? It's not the move he want to make. That's such yeah. a bad, like that's such bad, like foresaw by them. Yeah, no, I mean they were basically trying to make this movie on the cheap, but yeah. like wanted to get, you know, like the the <laughs> biggest names to be in it, uh, and good on Spike for making them pulling them away to make a much better movie. Yeah, so like that is one is one of the weird things. It's like the the multiple iterations that this movie went through, it was never going to be the real story. Like it was always going to be some yeah, alternate reality story, which is very interesting. And I think a good segue into kind of kind of pitching our own version of Core Runnings. Yeah. And for me, I think one of the one of the things about these movies again, it's just it's difficult because without having all of like the anecdotes and like real life stories and all that stuff to throw in there it's hard to say well this is what should have happened or this is what they should have done but i do think that there is a real story in the real story from the standpoint of you kind of have these guys who are you know part of the military and all of a sudden now they're basically being told like you're gonna be a bobsled team (laughs) and so yeah you know it's 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 you know one this team coming together two 
what we didn't get in this movie, which is like, yeah, what does this mean for Jamaica? Because like what they kind of talk about the real life team is like expectations mm. for Jamaican sports are high, you know, like you're expected to win. You're expected to be a winner, you know, yeah. like Jamaicans specifically in track and field, like that's what they do. So like, if you go yeah. out there and you embarrass yourself and you embarrass Jamaica, like that's not a good look. So right. like the pressure of, okay, not only we're we going to go compete in a sport that none of us have competed in <laughs> at all, we're going to try to it's, do it at the highest level in the Olympics, like against like some of the best teams in the world. So like, how, right. So how in does that work? Practice. You know, there was apparently, you know, like they kind of gloss over it a little bit, but you know, it was, I kind of followed the trajectory of a lot of these dramedy sports movies where there's like, you know, good times and they're hanging out, but there's definitely like some low points and some points where they're like at each other's necks because like the pressure's so high. Um, remember the Titans, Friday Night Lights. Yeah. All that stuff, yeah. So I think you could have done a movie in that vein that kind of gets into a lot of that because again, there are just some crazy things when you think about Prince Albert of Monaco stepping in on their behalf when you think about- That's cool. But that's yeah. also in like a more adult movie. Like that's a movie that right. Steven Soderbergh makes or something right. like that. You know what I mean? And even thinking about, yeah, this guy's brother just like stepping literally from the stands onto the ice to be in the bobsled team on short notice. Like there's just a lot of kind of dramatic moments that do, and then they do crash for real. Mm -hmm. So like there is a lot of those moments that kind of add up into maybe not a comedy, you know, kind of movie, but like when you look at the footage of the real life team, like they are kind of like loose, you know, jokey kind of guys. Like they are, yeah, they do have personalities like, and points and points to the movie that we got that actually shows the footage. Cause that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of neat. So I, I think there is <laughs> a real movie in the real life story of the team because you know, it's not like they didn't face any adversity. It's not like, you know, just the idea of, yeah, you know, trying to do what they did is a very lofty thing to think, yeah, we're just going to go, we're just going to go to the Olympics like that. People don't do that. So like, <laughs> it's you know, so easy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there there is an amazing true story aspect to it. And then, yeah, if you really talk to them and really dig for anecdotes and, you know specific parts it's a movie it's hollywood you're going to embellish yeah. like all these sports yeah. movies embellish so it's not that you can't bend the truth stretch the truth a little bit but like cool runnings like eviscerated the truth in order to yeah, make they, a, they really a movie. didn't try like uh, we said it's the it's the purple stuff of yeah. sports comedies <laughs> what about you camera is there is there a different way that you would have liked to see this movie play out so like I said earlier, I was thinking like, I think this is because that's a really this is a really hard subject, um, the subject of failure, honestly, movies yeah. like feel good movies like this are supposed to end, you know, on good notes, or on high notes, like, mm -hmm. you're supposed to succeed, you're supposed to follow your dreams, go all the way, overcome adversity and win the thing. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is like this movie starts with a character who haphazardly lost, you know, didn't mean to lose was prepared. Yeah. And then lost and then found another avenue, worked just as hard, got all the way. And then, you know, through another, I mean, in the movie, it's uh, a loose screw, but in real yeah. life, it's his fault. Yeah. Which is actually what I think would be the more interesting story is that, you know, he fucked up trying to qualify 
and then along the way got all the way there again and still fucked up but mm-hmm. through you know through all this you know you learn something about yourself and i think yeah. that's you can make a million feel-good movies or goofy movies about whatever the hell but like yeah. that's the lesson that they end they end usually end on in those movies mm-hmm. i worked hard i tried might not have succeeded but i still learned something about myself and about my character which is more important yeah and i think that's fine and you can honestly like lose the john candy character get the fuck out of here you can certainly lose the john candy character. i think that's you know the biggest thing is that john candy's character if removed from the movie i don't think the movie suffers you know in any real i actually way. don't think so either because he doesn't he's not terribly funny he's not <laughs> the whole like i cheated before and now all my ex you know uh teammates are out here and fucking with my chances that stuff isn't necessarily as important as like the real inner workings of the team like yeah like you said that prince of monaco stuff there's a brother that like gets injured there's enough wacky stuff not Mm -hmm. wacky necessarily but like weird stuff to keep the plot changing and moving yeah to get to that same point and i think that honestly that's a missed opportunity you just doesn't even have to be a white savior movie at all it, it doesn't really be a, a a very fine and interesting movie about hey did you know jamaica had a fucking bobsled team one time yeah and they got all the way to qualify qualifying and like, yeah that's fine yeah. i don't need john candy no yeah and you know to be clear john candy enjoyable love john candy love, like we, he did we, we we love john candy here at this podcast yeah he did his thing in this movie but R- R. like r.i.p r.i.p yeah but completely unnecessary you know again created the whole white man uh in order to to serve some kind of narrative i guess you know it was probably another disney thing where they're just like look if we just make a movie about four black people yeah. <laughs> this movie not gonna get made but, yeah like it, it, exactly because like honestly like there's a, a movie like it's not sports but it's games uh queen of katwe mm-hmm. the uh lupita nyango movie yeah ab- about uh the kenyan chess champion that movie doesn't have any white people in it you don't need amalgamated white character yeah to make that story work yeah, and it's there a were... movie about african people doing their thing and this yeah. is about jamaican people doing their thing i guess the only reason you need a white character maybe is because they're going to calgary they're going to be in a white space so well you need a character to bring that part of the plot in yeah and in real life yes you know it was two white men who are like y'all should have a bobsled team and then you know like the the coaches for the team were white so it wasn't like white people had nothing to do with this but it's right, more just right. like, but they're not the they're not the story. They're not the movie. They're not like the main characters of of this narrative. They are periphery. Like they're around. They kind of help get things moving when when stuff stops. But they're not the characters that you want to follow in this movie. They're not. Yeah. And this movie paints it to be like that. They are the characters, or yeah. John Candy is the character you need in yeah. order for this story to work. And it really is not. It's, it's, it's actually like so much so that it's not that you probably would get a much more interesting movie if it was like made by black people like that's the movie that i mean when when i recontextualize it you know without that character i almost want to like full stop go the whole way and just like black filmmakers like why do you need mm-hmm. i mean you obviously in order for disney to make this movie they need somebody <laughs> that they trusted right i got it yeah. And Spike Lee is apparently was apparently the only black film 
Baker that ever that existed in 1993. Yeah. So Spike Lee's Cool Runnings isn't going to look like what Disney wanted. Yeah, Melvin Van Peebles. Uh... Melvin Van Peebles. <laughs> Julie da- Julie Dash's Cool Runnings is way too lyrical. Oh and boy, I'd watch that movie. I would actually watch Julie Dash's Cool Runnings. Yeah. <laughs> there would be. I I I'd feel the spirit. I actually feel the rhythm and feel the rhyme. Yeah, I would feel the spirit. You know. But if, if if there were black writers and if there were black filmmakers exactly like, making this movie, I think you'd still get your wacky little Disney movie. You could still get your little cute little Disney movie. You can still get your uh, sports dramedy. You can still get all that. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be about how John Candy got over his terrible bullshit that he did. Uh, well, let's let's get to our Caucasity uh, rating system here uh, <laughs> to kind of see where where does cool runnings fit into just the the level of caucasity so our rating system goes as follows bottom level is shorts in the winter which is just like it, yeah it ain't hurting me what the fuck are you doing yeah like this is unnecessary like it's un, it's unnecessary the medium level is is this movie is touching my hair which this movie uh, is touching my hair i didn't ask for that this is really offending me yeah, now you're getting into MySpace and affecting me in ways. And I'm not was, gonna, I'm not gonna die or have a panic attack about it. But what the fuck are you doing in my hair? Yeah, you're too close. <laughs> you're too close, man. You're too close. And the final and most just caucastic level that you can reach is white is is white boy summer. So that's just like you've crossed you've crossed all the lines. You're a habitual line stepper. <laughs> this, this has gone too far. Uh, we need to shut this shit down. No one, yeah, uh, no one asked for it, and it and it's going to fuck with all of us. It's yeah, gonna, it's it's going to be detrimental. Yes, and so I would say that Cool Runnings is is shorts in the winter. You know, like I'm I'm this, not because these Jamaicans, you know, they be wearing shorts. You know, they wear shorts. <laughs> they live in their lives out on the island, but in winter time. They ain't gonna be wearing them shorts. And if I see you wearing shorts, then we are, you know, it's like I'm confused for you. I'm confused for you. It's like yes. a glitch in the matrix. It's like I see it's freezing cold. I see there's snow yeah. coming down, but your legs are exposed, fam. Your legs are exposed. If you got on Birkenstocks, uh you're getting snow in between your toes, bro. <laughs> but you're making an active decision to do it. Yeah, no, you're doing this to prove some weird point that I don't really care about. That you're in, 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 invulnerable to, to wintertime? Yeah. That's not a brag, fam. <laughs> Russians brag about that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Cool Running's not, not offensive in the same way that a lot of these other movies are. And in the context of the actual real-life people... Well, I well, I wish that they a were getting more residuals from this movie and b compensate compensation. Yeah, compensation. B, you know, I wish I wish it was truer to their actual experience because it is an incredible story. It you is. know, it has helped fund the Jamaican bobsled team, and and brought recognition to the team. And so, you know, in that like, it's not doing active harm to anybody. It's mostly an inoffensive movie. In hindsight, yeah. you know, as a 30-something, like, this movie is fine. You know, I'm not it's rushing fine. to see it again. But it's not, like, you know, I still feel the nostalgia when I watch it, but it's it's definitely not hitting like it used to. Cameron, you would you also say Shorts in the Winter? I would agree with you. I would agree Shorts in the Winter. This ain't, this ain't hurting me at all. 
Yeah. But I'm looking, I'm looking at your little side eyes, L- little bit of side eyes, like, like the whole, uh, get out of here, Jamaica. Jamaica. Like, <laughs> I know you wanted to say something else, but um, I'm gonna let you get off with that. Yeah. Usually this is the point where we recommend another movie. It's a little difficult because oh, yeah. you're trying to think about like, what is another Olympic movie or sports movie that you could kind of slot in that would feel the same. I would recommend the Jesse Owens story, yeah. which is, uh, I want to say it was like in the eighties at some point mm-hmm. it stars LeVar Burton as yeah. Jesse Owens. I LeVar- actually know about this movie. That's so crazy. Yeah. Like, while it's not like a perfect movie or an incredible movie in any real uh, sense, like, I think it's it does perfectly it. fine. Yeah. And it's and it's truer to the actual yeah. like, move like real life, you know, the actual thing movie. that happened. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's easy to find, uh, you know, that's the other thing about Correns is that it is, you know, fairly ubiquitous. Actually, no, I, let me let me rephrase that. Dorian Harewood is Jesse Owens. LeVar Burton is in the movie, but he's not Jesse Owens. He's he is in the movie. But so yeah. recommending the Jesse Owens story. I would recommend I would recommend the Jesse Owens story. It's it's cool runnings. gonna get you closer to like actual history than cool runnings. Which yeah watch cool runnings if you want to. Like sure, you know, sure. Nothing, hey. nothing bad is happening. I ain't gonna stop you. Yeah. I mean if that's your prerogative, you know I'm sure it's it's a movie that you know still endures to this day. Turn it on so, for your kids. Turn it on for your seven-year-old yeah. and, and pass on that little little bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for us for this episode. I think we've we've uh, done our best to eviscerate <laughs> cool <laughs> Cameron, tell the people about what you got going on and, and where they can find you on these internet streets. Um, not too much going on right now. I am writing some things. Got a lot of stuff in the cooker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the internet, you can find me. Oh, I make cooking videos for McCormick Spice. You can check them out mm. on YouTube at McCormick Flavor Makers. Just search that in Google or in YouTube. Sorry, I forget what service. And uh, yeah, find me at The Blipster on Twitter or find me at The Blipster. Oh, The Blipster on Instagram and The Blipster 1138 on Twitter. I'll be talking nonsense. All right. And I'm Jordan Clark. Also got stuff in the works, but nothing necessarily coming out at the moment. But you can find me on Twitter at JRSosa18, JRSOSA18. Same thing on Instagram. Also, if you would like to, you know, just check us out, you know, on some some other stuff, you can find us at, at white underscore pod on Twitter. You can also find us, or uh, if you want to write to us, it's white people won't save you pod at gmail.com and you can send us your revisions for movies you can send us just your your comments your critiques if you are or just or just send us if somebody tried to save you at target this afternoon you know you know if a white person tried to save you at target and you were like i'm not getting in that van white lady (laughs) <laughs> we, would, we would love to hear about your experiences uh so we would love to hear it. there you know whatever whatever you're experiencing this podcast you know give us those those stars all five of them and then uh yeah you know follow us subscribe to us our our lives depend on it yes no this is this has become a very real ticking clock situation so please give us <laughs> <laughs> help us uh, 
this is like this is like the the speed equivalent of a podcast you know what i mean like if we get if we get below four stars if we get below four stars <laughs> the bus is going to explode but yeah that's going to do it for us this week uh we'll catch you next week deuces y'all You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.